<laughs> that was different. I love it. I know. We we're just we're just that way. Yeah. Welcome to Manfully Live Podcast. My name is Mike with a mic, and next to me is my associate, Deacon Nick. Well, here's the thing. If you are just turning turning into this tuning, turning, 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 yeah. learning. Awesome. If you're just learning into this for the very first time. Manfully Alive is a podcast that was designed after the quote from St. Irenaeus, which is, the glory of God is manfully alive. Well, in order to become fully alive, you have to understand God and you have to be united with him. And how do you get to know your friends? You get to know them by talking to them and by spending time with them. And so the Gospels are the one way that we can know Christ and the more we know Christ, the more that we become fully alive. Thus, Man Fully Alive podcast. Amen. And our purpose. So let's kick things off with our opening prayer. Take it away, do you connect? Very good. Uh, let's begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, you you send your Holy Spirit so that we can experience your love. Help us to be enveloped by that love and to live according to it. And help us to love others the way in which your Holy Spirit guides us. Um, we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So last week's challenge was an interesting one in that it was as opposed to us just being believers, right? Mm -hmm. You have to at some point be convicted for an action that a believer would take, right? Yeah. So putting our faith into action was the challenge from last week. And I got to say, this one for me seemed to be a little bit easier because the the part that I focused on was, it, it sounds counterproductive, but it was to turn the other cheek. Oh. I work in a business where pride runs rampant. Everybody is not only encouraged to have their own opinion, but it seems like it's almost enhanced that the education that we have is everybody believes their own thing as it, as it bases within the investment community and the right approach to investing and the right approach to financial planning and the right approach to all these different things. And so it's, it's, a, it's a proud audience and everybody believes themselves there to be a self-made man as opposed to our, our collective efforts have made the company what it is. Right. And so I caught myself on more than one occasions being talked down to. And instead of reacting kind of with some level of hostility, I just remained silent. And there was a lot of moments where I think people were caught off guard huh. because it was just silence. And so I, you know, the, the, the worry in that, in that environment is that people would suspect that I just didn't care. Right. Yeah. That silence means, Oh, he no longer cares about the subject. Yeah. Which I realized like, what is the harm in that? Hmm. You know, if it's, if it's D, uh, if it's disarming their pride, then maybe silence is the best, is the best response. It's kind of that if you can't say anything nice. Don't say anything at all. I totally did that this week. And Nice. On more than one occasion, I got a weird look, a, a glance like, are you serious, Clark? Um, <laughs> and it was it was kind of refreshing. It was kind of refreshing. But That's cool. I don't know. Did you did you have any kind of experience of this faith into action and, and what it looked like? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I've been, <clears throat> I've been a fan of the rosary for a real long time and I've, uh, prayed it off and on. And sometimes it's a daily devotion and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I go back and forth. And, uh, however, I, I received a post on Facebook from an old friend, uh, who informed me of a mutual friend of ours who unfortunately is very ill. Uh, in fact, not only is, uh, pregnant and having a difficult time there, but is in, is also recently diagnosed with leukemia. And so, uh, they were asking everybody to offer rosaries, hoping to get to uh, 500. Um, I, I don't know if that's within a week or within a month or whatever, but they, they wanted 500 rosaries. And I, I thought to myself, well, you know, the prayer in action, uh, faith in action, I mean, certainly is, this is an opportunity for me to, to say, well, you know, this is a devotion that I love, and this is a, a person whom I love, and this is a great cause uh, to put those two together. And so... Uh, yeah, I just found it as a great reason to to sit down in prayer and to, to offer up my friend. Uh, so hopefully her and her baby are uh, healing and, and soon will be safe, but we'll see. Yeah. And that's that's a perfect example where prayer can actually be an action of a believer. Right? Yeah. So often yeah. we think that prayer is an isolated action that is only supposed to happen when... I need something, right? Right. Or something really good just happened. Yeah. God right. help me now. Yeah, yeah. And so it's as opposed to it being a prayer of necessity, this one it was a prayer of necessity for the other, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. again, to pick up on the definition we talked about last week, which is love, right? Desiring the good of the other above the good of the self. And, and prayer is really a good selfless action there. So well done. Well, thanks. <laughs> you know. All right, well, uh, this week's gospel is actually a gospel that we've reflected on just recently. Uh, I believe it was either the second or third week. And so it's it's a smaller snippet from the gospel of John. There's a couple different versions uh, because this this Sunday is Pentecost and uh, it's it's the eighth Sunday of Easter. We are we, we are blessed with a multitude of readings, but the, this is kind of one of those things where, Christ is like, uh, okay, it's it's important that I that you guys hear something twice within a calendar year. And I, I think the gospel that most of us are going to get is from the gospel of John, which was uh, verses 19 through 23. Right. And, and just to point out to our audience, there are the, the priest at every parish has two choices. They could take from John 15 or John 20. And so uh, we thought this one would be pertinent for us to talk about. Without further ado, a reading from the Gospel of John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful reading, and to kind of pick up from some of the, the points that we made the last time we had this, uh, 
I love, you know, the fact that Christ is always introducing himself with peace be with you. And it's often forgotten that the fruit of uniting ourselves with the Lord is peace, right? That's right. I mean, he, that's precisely the way in which he's offering the invitation. Be at peace because I, I am with you. In fact, I'm returning to you uh, yeah. post, post-resurrection. And so... Uh, Where I know if I saw my dead friend appear before me, peace would not be with me. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's appropriate that God when he comes to us he he his hope for us is to be at peace but that's not the big takeaway points we want to focus on this week yeah you know one of the one of the points that I wanted to focus on which is a little bit new compared to last time we talked about this gospel uh, was about the breath of Jesus you know why does he breathe on them it reminds me of a couple things one it, it, it reminds me of the way in which a bishop or an archbishop will breathe on the holy oils during Holy Week, all the oils that are used for uh, all of the sacraments um, and for the sick, um, they are breathed on. But both of those uh, are reflections of the original breath that God the Father breathed into Adam, and and that was a light, that was a breath of 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 life. You know, it was it was the animating force that gave life to Adam. And so when the father breathes, he breathes his spirit into Adam. And Jesus breathes on the apostles and breathes his spirit into them, onto them, uh, that they may have um, the authority and the power of the ministry that they are taking on. And as a uh, Trinitarian uh, Christian we believe the three the three persons of the Trinity are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so he's not just breathing his spirit. He's breathing the Holy Spirit. He's breathing a personage of the Holy Trinity, uh, you know, an equal part of God into them. He is placing God within them and in, into them and into their very vessels and, and their very souls. That's right. That's right. In fact, I, I was looking up quotes and, and, you know, snippets from the catechism, and, and I found where it talks about the word spirit trans, translated from Hebrew is ruah, which really the primary sense of that means breath or air or wind. And so Jesus uses this, this real sensory, you know, hot breath imagery of mm-hmm. wind, uh, just like the apostles received it at Pentecost. We receive it both in baptism and in confirmation. So the power of the Holy Spirit is, is a powerful image and I think um, very, uh, a very important part of this gospel because it leads to what Jesus says next. Well, even before we move on to that, this is not just an image. This is something that's been passed on to the believers within, within the church. Those who have been baptized, we have received the Holy Spirit through baptism which is 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 the binding force that that brings about all good things in the church this is the this is the missionary zeal that exists within all the apostles within all the missionaries this is this is the life force that sustains for the journey right the holy yeah. spirit is the is the the sender more so the one that goes with the apostles in their missionary life and he it's it's just such a big thing this is this is really the fire, the, the, the igniter for the fire of their souls that brings about his words and his teaching, allowing them to speak truth 
and allowing them to uh, pronounce the gospel and have it fall on lively ears, right? As yeah. opposed to being fall purely on deaf ears. Well, and, and you're using all the right words. I mean, uh, uh, the fire, bonding, uh, all of these things. You know, I, I looked up, you know, what does it mean when we receive the Holy Spirit? And the catechism really, uh, really focuses on sort of this renewal and this, this washing away, this regeneration. It, re, it renews us. It makes us new again, you know. Yeah. Uh, our Protestant brothers and sisters aren't wrong when they say born again because baptism and the reception of the Holy Spirit really is to be born out of sin and mm -hmm. into the life of Christ. Um, but I think it's important for us to remember that the Holy Spirit um, is alive in every liturgical action in order to be that bonding agent. I mean, why does the Holy Spirit come? To bring us together. And in His perfection, the Holy Spirit gathers the church and makes the church herself a, a, a bonding uh, community of believers, right? The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring together and to bond the community of believers, which this is, an, is this an inseparable fruit of the Holy Spirit within the liturgy. That's, that's what he does. Yeah, I think of it, uh, <laughs> this is going to be such a, a kind of a far-reaching analogy, but I, I think in my mind, I'm like, when you hear a sibling or somebody say, oh, I'm the glue that held the family together. <laughs> and the other siblings go, right. Right, right, yeah. But that's what it is. Like, if, if we're studying the Trinity, there is the Father, right? The only begotten Son, right? Mm -hmm. And then the love between them. And the Holy Spirit is this love between them, but... It, 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 it's a whole person of love. It's the personage of the love that exists between the Father and the Son. That's and right. so when the Holy Spirit says, I'm the glue that binds, he means it. <laughs> no, nobody's laughing. Like, nobody's oh, laughing. They're like, yeah, yeah you, you're definitely the love that, in between. That's pretty much right, yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of like what we need to tap into, right? When we're, when we're tying ourselves... Uh, for example, in marriage, mm -hmm. right? The Holy Spirit is what is 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 put upon us in the sacrament of marriage to bind us, to unify us, right? Yes. And if you're if you're if you've had a tragedy within your family, there is no better personage to pray to than the Holy Spirit to redevelop that that community that that was lost within your family. That's right. That's right. I mean, precisely because the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is bonding in and through the fact that He is love and, and teaches us how to love and makes us bond in and through love, yeah. which, which I know sounds, oh, it's all about love. It's all about rainbows and butterflies. But no, gosh, it is about love. And, and we, we, I think it helps us to recall that the Pentecost moment is sort of the, the opposite moment of the Tower of Babel. You know, at the Tower of Babel, due to sin, God allowed humanity's language to be confused so that they would be scattered. And they did. The whole world was scattered and the languages were confused and, and people were not bonded. But in this opposite event of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes as love to gather, to bond, to reunite, and overcomes that language barrier. Can you go back and kind of talk just a little bit more on the Tower of Babel? Because some people... Who are familiar with the story it's just probably been a long time so sure 
Yeah, so at the Tower of Babel, I mean, the, the, the people wanted to seek God. But in their pride, they believed that they could seek God without the help of God. And so they literally, because of their advanced sciences and mathematics, they believed that they could build a tower to the heavens, to the skies. And they attempt to build the, the, the Tower of Babel in order to reach God on their own power, on their own efforts, which is steeped in pride. So because of their pride, God confuses their language, which makes it impossible for them to communicate and impossible to continue the building of this tower. And in their argumentation, they scatter into different tribes and different regions and they leave and they abandon their project. It just goes to show that really it's, it's God's love and grace of bonding us together that allows us to do great things. We don't do great things for ourselves or by ourselves. It's all around the central theme of the Holy Spirit bonds, right? The Holy Spirit gathers. The Holy Spirit does not scatter. And so what our sin does, which especially through Pentecost here, what our sin does is it divides us. Sin <laughs> is the, the stain on our soul that prevents us from connecting the way we are capable of connecting with the world, right? When Christ in me, Christ who is fully alive and has taken a, taken control of this man fully alive and you in the exact same place when we're bonded through a connection with our Lord that is a bond that transcends what most relationships are and it, it takes us to a whole nother level which is what you know I mean we we have countless little sitcoms of these friends who are just the best of friends and it's it, it almost seems like an unrealistic relationship of friendship because it's very difficult to ever get to that level of friendship with anyone right it is and that speaks to our culture because we want friendship that real and that deep so badly and yet it, it, it's it's false hope to watch these shows because that kind of friendship doesn't exist without god exactly and and even though they're in this sort of secular mentality where oh the the two buddies or whatever sleep with the same girl and they're like no we're still the same close quality yeah. of friends <sighs> that is a bold-faced lie right and that is spitting in all the people who believe that that friendship is possible without some sort of uniting factor some sort of bonding glue and so that desire for friendship the desire to know and be known which our God has that same desire as well. Yes. We, we were co-created in his image. We didn't just get this desire to, to know and be known organically. This came from the, our Lord who wants to know us and be known by us. Right. Well, and, and God is satisfied in his knowing and being known because he is a trinity. Yeah. <clears throat> but he wants to share that with us. Us being made in his image and likeness makes us communal people. We have to be bonded with others. And what you said earlier about sort of this falsehood of sitcoms, people sleeping together, and oh, it doesn't change us, whatever, you know, that leads very well into our third point, <clears throat> the final part of the gospel, which talks about forgiveness of sins, you know, uh, whose sins you, you forgive are forgiven them, and those sins uh, you retain are retained. This is very important because it goes directly with what he just said previously. He, he said, receive the Holy Spirit, and then he gives them the power to, to forgive sin. And this has to go together. Why? Because 
Sin is the thing that prevents union and bonding and relationship and love. Sin yeah. is what breaks down relationship. And so the, the first job, if you will, of the Holy Spirit before he can bond us is first to get rid of and to deal with, <clears throat> excuse me, our sin. Yeah. Our sin has to be dealt with. Well, and, and the interesting thing is right now there is a huge, huge, huge dynamic of people that are too proud to go to confession. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just, it's the least popular of the sacraments out there. Do you know why? It's because at some point our pride loses in that sacrament. Our pride, right. that that uh, little inflated balloon that all the nice thoughts we had about ourselves and all the, the kind words we said to ourselves and, hey, man, that was just a mistake, that whole looking at porn and, oh, man, that was just a little, st that was just a mistake, that whole lying to your spouse about that. Oh, you know what, man? Betraying your friend's trust, that was just a little, at some point, we have to seek the, the reconcile, reconciling force, the Holy Spirit, right, to fill in these voids in our soul. Because every time we sin, a little piece of the goodness that Christ put into us at baptism, and Christ put into us through the Eucharist, and Christ puts into us at confirmation, is lost. Yes. And so the more we die to sin, the more we are alive in Christ. And we become, again, full circle, this man fully alive. But yeah. it, it takes a, a, a huge kick in our pride gonads to just get over ourselves. It really does. You know, <clears throat> and I think you're right, it is an unpopular sacrament. Uh, but... But it is the Holy Spirit acting in the priest or in the bishop that gives him the authority to forgive sins through the name of Jesus Christ. We have to remember that, that we don't save ourselves, and, and we do have to be forgiven of our sins. But if our pride prevents us from admitting that we've done something wrong, then we've already lost. And, and that, that, could be, that could be serious and sad and, and, and prevent us from true authentic relationship, which is the final goal of the Holy Spirit, not only in terms of relationships with our friends or even our spouse, but ultimately with God himself for eternity. Do you remember when you were a kid and you would do something <laughs> do stupid? I? You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah, Just something time. stupid. Like I, I can, there are countless stupid things I did when I was a kid, but I remember my parents grabbing my arm and pulling me over to that kid that I kicked in the shins or that kid that I hit in the face with a dodgeball and being like, you apologize to blank, right? Right, yeah. And it sucked, right? Yeah. But at the end of that, I remember countless friendships that grew out of either somebody having to apologize to me or me apologizing to them and then us growing from the fact that we were divided, right? Yes. And, you know, at some point, respect is a big deal here. You know, if, if I apologize, will they respect me? Yeah. Yes. Under all circumstances, apologizing for doing something wrong or for overstepping your boundaries or for just crossing a line, whether unspoken line or a spoken line, forgiveness is something that, ought to be sought and it doesn't need to just 
be found in the courtroom in the form of fines and penalties and being sued, right? Forgiveness is life-giving. It is it is the, the, the flower on the hill that we're all trying to get because the, the one thing, sadly, that binds most people on this earth is sin and is our compunction and our, our capacity to do it so well. Yeah. But that word I just said, compunction, right? At some point, the pain of wrongdoing has to pierce us into the action of seeking repentance and forgiveness and betterness. Right, and hopefully we're, we are motivated not by simple guilt, but by a desire to do better because we want to love God and because we want to love our neighbor rather than harm them through our selfishness, pride, or sin. Yeah. You know, and if I can make one last point. Uh, Go for it. In terms of... Con confession helps us to say we're sorry and helps us to to die to our pride. But the reason why that's so important is analogous to this. You know, imagine I get so angry, <clears throat> excuse me, so angry that I want to punch my wife in the face, you know, or say I do it. You know, it's a it's a massive distrust and breaking of our bond as as a married spouse. Imagine then that my next, <clears throat> excuse me, my next uh, desire is all of a sudden to be intimate with my wife. How, how, she's simply not going to be in the mood, right? We are, we are not bonded. We are not in right relationship. And so to even suggest such a thing is repulsive. Yeah. And, and similarly, we wound and often break our relationship with God when we sin, especially uh, mortal sins. And we have to remember that our intimate moment with Christ, really with the entire Holy Trinity, is in and through the Eucharist. And so we cannot present ourselves for that intimate union and bond with the Eucharist if we have not yet right, righted our relationship with God in and through the sacrament of confession. Yeah. It, we ha I would absolutely have to work on healing my relationship with my wife if I were to hit her before I could ever expect that union to be resolved absolutely and and expect that to be a fruitful life-giving loving act right. right right out of a sense of you know duty not you don't want that you want uh, out of a sense of joy yes and confession for the people that get it is a climactic cathartic release it's wonderful it is so freaking good, yeah, you know? Really it's just like the meat and potatoes because we all suck at some point, right? We are all bad at being godly men and women. And, you know, we need to just own up. Man, hey, God, I, I really blew it. And I don't want to stay in this place of just weakness and sin and doubt well and i just want to say that i think it's it's a lot easier to allow ourselves to fall into the loving arms of jesus in confession than it is to stay in our prideful ignorance and doubt of yeah. our of our own weakness and sinfulness yeah just if you fess up to it it'll get better instead of worse oh and and seeking that forgiveness is a, is a sense of joy and it's 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 like the fastest most successful diet for your soul uh, 
Yes, both right. mentally, physically, spiritually, it, it, it lets you let go. So the challenge that we are going to initiate to all of you out there is to, over the next week, you have seven days to go to confession. You don't have to carry the weight anymore. You don't, you don't need to, to mull around with feeling bad. It, God is, is, is standing there rippling muscular shoulders saying, hand me your burden. I'm ready. Let's take this off. You don't have to carry this crap around with you anymore. It, it's doing you no good. It's doing you absolutely no good. So this challenge is, is a selfless one. And it, you can see it as, as however you want to see it. But the fact of what the catechism teaches us is that this is a death to self that you are putting to death the things of the flesh and you are bringing to life the things of the spirit. So let go of that sin and get to confession. Yeah, and, and it's a great first step too for anybody who feels as though they're really uh, steeped in sin, some sort of habitual sin, some sort of sin that, is, that has entrapped you or imprisoned you for years. Uh, confession um, brings about healing and brings about forgiveness uh, but it also uh, puts you on a path towards more permanent healing we go to confession over and over again in order to grow in the grace to be able to seek out those things that we need for things like uh, depression or addiction uh, any any of those more permanent kinds of problems that honestly that's that's why God came to save us to yeah. help us with these things so here's a few uh, Catholic hacks to get to confession first Check your bulletin for the scheduling of when confession is available in your parish and in nearby, nearby parishes. There's a great resource online called masstimes.org. Go to masstimes.org, click the button that uh, after you punch in your allow location, it'll tell you the parishes around you, and then you just click the button that says confession. It'll give you a list and sort them by distance from you to get to confession. So. You got two resources there. The third one, if you can't make any of those scheduled times, just approach your priest either 15 or 30 minutes before mass or after mass. After you know, don't like tackle him as he's going down the the, the aisle during the opening. Father, I need it mass. now. Hey, Father. Hey, hey. Said, you're not you're not headed anywhere, are you? Um, <laughs> just get to the sacrament. It is it is out there waiting. To, to free you from the shackle uh, and, and the pain and the guilt and all the stupid things that are not from God. Amen. Awesome. You know, and I think that's that's what we came here to say today. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity for us to close in prayer and, and let's get out there and, and do that challenge. Uh, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Father, you, you allowed the nations to be scattered because of their pride and their sin. But you send the Holy Spirit upon your apostles to gather the nations back again. No longer is their language confused. No longer are they divided, but you seek unity for all of us. Lord, help us to seek union in our own relationships with our families, with our friends, with our parishes, with the wider Christian community. And help us to do that by first ridding ourselves of sin and seeking uh, the closest bond possible with you. 
by being free of sin and seeking you through the Holy Eucharist. Lord, we love and we praise you, and we offer all this in your name. Amen. 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 Guys, we covered a lot today, and thank you for tuning in. This is Manfully Alive Podcast. My name is Mike with a mic. And I'm Deacon Nick. Signing off. Have a great week.